Good morning. Uh, before I begin this morning's message in its, uh, its subject matter, uh, what I want to uh, uh, first address is, is that uh, when it comes to truth, in this application, you apply truth forward. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you saying? Well, oftentimes, truth, when it comes into our life, you know, uh, enlightens us, and we just are overwhelmed by, you know, the tragedy and the mistakes of yesterday. And rather than it liberating us, you know, it burdens us. Now, there must be a moment when truth comes, but, you know, the purpose of truth is not to condemn you. The purpose of truth is to heal you. The purpose of truth, you know what I mean, you know, is, is not to magnify the yesterday's mistakes, okay, but to encourage tomorrow's successes. And so you apply truth forward. Too many people live, you know, in the remorse of yesterday. And they are shackled. They are, they are confined within, you know, a, a, a small block of, of, of regret and uh, the, the, uh, the, the sadness and all of those things of, of I wish I wouldn't have if it only hadn't happened, you know. And so truth becomes something that, because of the way you're applying it, you know, doesn't become a liberator, you know. It, it literally becomes almost, you know what I mean, a detriment to your future. And so the Lord just said to tell you that, you know what I mean, remember that you apply truth forward, when you apply truth forward, that helps you so you don't make the same mistakes that you made, you know, when you didn't have the truth. And it's really applicable in, in everything in life, you know what I mean? One thing in life that is, you know, is in relationship. Relationship. You find out how relationships, you know, can work, and then you spend the rest of your days, you know, just feeling bad about when it didn't work. So God says, people, you know, just apply it forward. Amen? Amen. Just apply it forward. Because the sun came to set us free. He did not to condemn us. He did not come to condemn us. We were already condemned. Condemned means that we've already have been judged and sentenced. And Jesus Christ comes to go ahead and he reverses the sentence. Hallelujah. And so the sentence that was yours now became his. And the inheritance that was his now becomes Yours. Too good to be true? Absolutely. But it's the one area that it is true. It is. See, God did not, impa- did not bypass anything. 
he went ahead and absorbed everything. <laughs> he absorbed it for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, thank you this morning for your wonder and your grace and your mercy and your tremendous gift and for these people. God, we thank you for each one. That they, are, they themselves are specifically made in the image of you and in your likeness. And they are a treasure to you. And Lord, even though that in the process of life, we process life just a little bit different. My hope is that the bottom line, Lord, would be that everyone at least would know that you love them and that they in turn would love you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, do we have some scriptures up there? And uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this morning and, and, and walk into probably what I think is the most challenging room in your life. The most challenging room in your life. And it's a room that you frequently visit. And it's a room sometimes you spend a lot of time in. More time in than you like. And that's called the waiting room. The waiting room. The most challenging room in your life. Give me some scriptures and... Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. He's painting, first of all, you know what I mean, a comparative element. The strength of youth, the endurance of young men, and you know, youth hardly anything gets to you in terms of life. You just conquer mountains, you know what I mean? And then you're still not bright enough to be able to, you know, to <laughs> get a hold of, you know, that there's more to the message that's being said than, than what you're reading into it. But you get through it. You get, you get by because, and even God, he, he just works with that because he knows that's, you know, that's, that's the time frame that, that, that you're in. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and you're familiar with this passage, they shall mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And we won't break that scripture down this morning in terms of those particulars because each one, you know what I mean, broken down gives you a, a better insight. You need to study the, study the eagle if you want to see the, the, the process of that, you know what I mean, and see how wonderful it is. Okay, but anyway, uh, next. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which is great reward. For you have need of endurance, and that word endurance and patience, if you go to the King James, you know, they would have done it uh, with uh, patience. And basically, uh, you know, they're twins, and either one fits there, is because patience is not passive. You have need of patience, Literally meaning you have need of endurance in this waiting room. So this is not an inactive room. This is a very active room. It's a very challenging room. It's a room that probably, you know, there were more questions, more 
uh, 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 opportunities for, you know, uh, uh, the fight of faith. And in the other room, there's a waiting room. So that if you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. How many want the will of the promise? How many are willing to do the will? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it says you're going to have to be patient <laughs> if you want to get the promise. All right. I believe it's James next. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, that's a tall order. You know what I mean? I would have left it out if I was writing the book. (laughs) But he didn't choose me to write it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It helps you wait. In waiting has as we read, it has an amazing benefit to it. it. has an amazing benefit. It says the farmer waiteth with much patience. Probably uh, one of the most, you know, patient examples is, is the farmer. That they have to invest so much and are so dependent and out of power in so many areas. They can't control the rain. They can't control the sun. They can't control the heat. They're just out of control. But yet... They're waiting for the promise and the fruit. So the waiting room, extremely challenging. Now notice that he says that have its perfect work or finished work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And we'll, we'll talk about that as, as we go on. Waiting is not something that Americans do well. I'm sure you would agree with me on that. But we need to give our waiting room purpose. Give your waiting room purpose. Because it's a very challenging. Most challenging, as I said, period. In the waiting room, you are tempted to be Guess what? Impatient. (laughs) You can get discouraged. You can worry. You even get to the point where you begin to say, does God care? We rush through everything in life, by and large, but you can't rush God. You can go on your own, but God's timing is will bring the best results as we just read that scripture in James. 
Let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In the waiting room, developing, you know, its purpose and walking and working with it, when the promise comes, when the end results happens, it'll be short of nothing. Impatience or exiting the waiting room, you may get something, but the load will be much lighter. In load by meaning the result or the, the promise. Amen? Hallelujah. That waiting room, when you're stuck in a difficult situation, you're constantly praying, and the only thing that seems to appear is silence. The great king and psalmist, David, he addressed that. He actually complained a little bit about it. You know, why are you silent to me, God? What's the reason for this? So, you know, if you ask that question, you're not in bad company. Some people leave the waiting room embittered, disillusioned. But there's been people that have had to learn how to navigate the waiting room. And two of my, some of my bringing this morning is Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, Martha spent some time in the waiting room. Lazarus is sick. They send the report that he's sick, and, you know, Jesus does not respond. Silence. And their conclusion was, and their faith was such, that if Jesus had been here, Lazarus would not have died. That's a pretty powerful motivation. Legitimate reason. And yet, they had to wait because the load was bigger than just saving Lazarus' momentary life. The message was more than he can raise the dead. The message was to carry for generations, and not simply to one event in life. You see, at the center of our struggles is the waiting conflict. The conflict between your timetable and my timetable. Whether it's you or me. I, I visit the same room. I live in the same room. I, you know, God's time frame and my time frame. We want to find out how to navigate it, but we want to identify it. If we knew everything that God knew, we'd come up with the same conclusion that God comes up with. Perhaps. <laughs> but we don't. How about the Apostle Paul in the waiting room? As he sought the Lord. I don't think this was three different prayers, you know, and successive prayers 
Remove this thorn. Remove this thorn. Remove this thorn. I think there was a, some time lapse in here. And since thrice I petitioned the Lord to remove the thorn that, that was there. So he has some time in the waiting room. And, you know. and then finally, he gets an answer. He gets an answer. <clears throat> and it's an answer to, of learning. And he learned that grace in God's provision is not just a one-time event. But it's a continuing process. My grace is sufficient for you. So all of a sudden, he's, he's capturing, you know what I mean, something that is going to be with him for life, invaluable to him for life. It's not the one physical element that he's dealing with that God is trying to address. He's trying to show him how that in every situation that you come up against in every waiting room that you get in, there is going to be a dynamic provision of the grace of God for your life. And it seems to function and work best when we're the weakest. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. For his strength is made perfect in weakness, and we as human beings don't love weakness. We're self-sufficient, we're, into, we're independent, you know what I mean? We've been gifted with so much God things that we almost think we're God. And so God has to help us see that though we're made in his image, we're still men. The waiting room, Paul in that waiting room. You all can relate to the waiting room, particularly when you've been waiting for somebody else. But let me tell you something. By and large, waiting for somebody else or something that's happening in somebody else's life is hard, but it is not as difficult and does not affect you near as deeply as when you have your own waiting room. Because it's not always about the answer. It boils down to God. Especially with us as believers, it's God. That waiting room. The waiting room where you're going to quit. Waiting room when you're not going to pray anymore. Anybody been? Come on, let's, let's uh, yeah, you know, well, I'll tell you what, go a long ways if we get honest. Because we're going to have to go in the waiting room so we can get honest. You know what I mean? We're, there's so many things that are going to have to come. True. Confession is good for the soul. Now we're going to twist God in this waiting room. We're going we're gonna to make you hurry up your process because... See how you handle it without us, God.
Yeah. God is so good. See, God doesn't operate any faster in the 21st century than he did in the first century. Even though everything we have has sped up and everything is at our fingertips and and we can almost find out everything there is, but there is, you cannot find out about God. You can find helps about God. You can find a lot of things that can help you, but you'll never discover them to application without a waiting room. You got to have a waiting room, a waiting room with God. Well, it doesn't seem like anything is happening then. There's a lot happening in what we know as downtime. I understand the waiting room of uncertainty. So in the waiting room of life, what should, what should we do? I love keys, and I hope they'll help you, but... You know what I mean? Need to recognize that God is in control even when it seems that he has forgotten you. Now, maybe you've grown to that point and that place that, that never comes into your thought life that God has forgotten you. Now, in my own mind, I know God has not forgotten me. I know that, but... Once in a while, I wish he'd remember me a little bit more, a little more frequent. But it is in those times when it seems like nothing is happening that God is working the most. Everything is happening, just that you and I can't see it. That's where faith comes in. For we walk by faith and not by sight. The waiting room is really where the walk of faith gets walked out. Why? Because in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, says, I'm doing a new thing in your day, something you wouldn't believe if somebody told you. Is it possible that the program of God and God's idea of what he's got in mind is so big that, you know, and so great, and it involves you that if he told you up front, you wouldn't believe it anyway, so it's just worthless information to you. It would create more doubt than it would faith. That's what he says, you know, sometimes why he's quiet. It's possible that the period of time in your life and what you want to know, God can't tell you because you can't handle it. Jesus told his disciples, I got a lot of things to tell you, but you're not able to bear it right now. I think that's, that's life. Do you ever hold any information back from those that you mentor, though your children that, that you raise at any given time in your life? you ever hold any information back? You ever determine that it's, you know what I mean? There's something about this and there's things about life that you know, but guess what? I can't tell them because they cannot process that. It would be impossible for them. 
their level of maturity has not grown to that, that point, you know what I mean? Their understanding and correlation of, of what are you talking about, you know, would cause more fear than faith. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Listen, God hold, withholds some things because it'll cause more fear in you than faith in you. And therefore, therefore, he doesn't answer you. And ask you to go back and realize that he who spared not his own son but gave him up for us all, how shall he not by him also give us freely all things that pertain to life and godliness? Producing a, 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 a trust in us. A trust in us, you know? With God, it is never about either sink or swim. With God, it is about teaching you so that you know how to swim. You got to catch that now. Light, come on. Because when you know how to swim, you're never afraid of the water. If your ability in the given area that God has taken you, you know what I mean? Then, then what is happening becomes the catalyst, you know what I mean, that propels you and not destroys you. Do not throw me in the water. I'm not a good swimmer. I can't go under without my nose plugged. You know, I mean, they, they, I could never learn it. So water is not my forte. The next person can go in water and they just like act like a fish. I'm trying to play in a scenario here. Everybody's learning environment is not the same because everybody's, you know what I mean, gifts and talents into where their function, you know what I mean, are not the same. I don't understand why you, why that bothers you. Water bothers you? Come on. No. So whatever area it is that in that waiting room, God is trying to teach you and I not to swink or swim, swim. But, you know, literally how to go ahead and, you know, use that to our benefit. So when Paul would face these moments and these crises in his life and these challenging moments, and he really had them, How'd you like to be God's chosen man and in, in, in God's choice of, of your platform is a prison cell with chains on. I love that pulpit. I love that pulpit. But yet, in the waiting room, God lear- or Paul, saw, Paul learned that provision of grace is such that it's for the events that are taking place in your life and the setting that's happening there. And he learned how to go ahead and, okay, uh, you know, let's put it this way, he learned how to swim. (laughs) See? He learned how to swim. 
learn how to get, put grace in application so that he could swim in any environment, any environment of his, of his life. You have to believe in the machinery of God's sovereignty, that it's at work even when we don't understand it, don't know. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. That's a good one. Renew your faith in God's quiet, steady providence. Renew your faith in God's quiet, steady providence. I like fireworks. I like the boom of God. I know what I mean. But it's not a major part of how it works. God's a creator, He's a creator. Or more modern term, he's a manufacturer. He's a stage setter. He doesn't just take the the norm and, you know, just rearrange it just to make it his. He takes the norm in the process and it's arranged to accommodate what he has planned. Abraham waited 25 years for the promised son. Joseph, 13 years. He was betrayed, false imprisoned, and abandoned before he ever reached leadership. In Egypt, Moses, we know, spent 40 years tending sheep before God fulfilled the call that was on his life. I was really struggling here here with... David began to know that he was king, you know, when, when they anointed him with oil, all right? I don't know what was going on in his heart, but publicly he knew. But Moses knew, it says, that he was to lead the children of Israel. He knew it. He knew that was his role. And yet, you know, we know that his first attempt was a failure because... He hadn't been through the waiting room. Hadn't been put in the waiting room. And in the waiting room, then he lost himself and discovered God. And then, of course, David waited 14 years before the throne after he was anointed. A waiting room. Jesus himself was in the waiting room. Frequently he would say, my hour has not yet come. He recognized the importance of staying in the waiting room under the care and the auspices of 
the Father as he developed not only Jesus, but the setting for his, for his purpose in life. Redeem your time in the waiting room of life. View the time in the waiting room as a season, season of development. Because you're going to find yourself more ready for when it comes. And you'll feel, you'll be you're so glad that you did. For your time and your, what you call it. Amen? Waiting room. Believe that the God who saved you hears your cry. Yes, God hears your cry. Believe. Jesus said, I I know that he always hears me. I've tried to develop that in my life. You see, even if my prayer is wrong, because he's my father... He hears me, but I'm trusting him, you know what I mean, as my father. We're not, how is it, we talked about this in prayer room, how is it that if God says yes, oh, hallelujah, thank you, God. God is, you know, that's God's will. But if God says no, God's will. But yes. Yes, it is. Here's what the cross guarantees to us. And that God is for us and is committed to give us everything we would ask for if we knew everything he knows. We're just not the smartest people on the block. It takes the pressure off. God says that every promise in the book is yours. God says, I say yes to every one of them. But he knows some things that we don't know yet. But he says, I guarantee you that he is committed to it. Watch with expectancy in your waiting room, but be be prepared for the unexpected answer. Be prepared for the unexpected answer. Somebody said, well, that's not faith. No, that's just good view of life and understanding of how God works in life itself. Watch with expectancy. (laughs) 
I'm looking at a passage of scripture. Give me a moment here. Psalms chapter 5 says this, verse 3. My voice you shall hear in the morning. In the morning I will direct it to you. And I will look up. They that wait upon the Lord. Those that wait for the voice to come. Find strength and renewal. Put your hope in his word. God's word is the only thing that's unshakable, is the word of God. Thy word, the word, be word-oriented. In the waiting room, encourage yourself in the word as David did. Some of these, you, you know, f- f- are very familiar with, but really, you know, implementing in our lives. Trust in the Lord and not to your own understanding. What makes us think that we know better than he does? Because we like the comfort zone. We love that. And God's not against that. Psalms 23 is very clear that God is not against that. But that's not the only thing God is for. It's development. Ephesians chapter, chapter 5. The ultimate goal of God is for us to change into the image of Jesus Christ. Till we all come to the stature, the fullness of stature, the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's, it's like a potter's room, the waiting room, where he is shaping the clay. He shapes the clay. I'll ask my musicians to come this morning. You know, you've heard some of these, but the waiting room is don't leave it before. Until the doctor comes out and says, let me give you a report. This is how it went. This is the prognosis of the future. I mean, when you get the reporting, at least you know what the next step is then. Either more prayer or exceeding rejoicing. Waiting room. Foreign. It's not every country, but very foreign to America. The waiting room. Don't go your own way instead of waiting 
for God's promises. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. Way beyond. God is able. But don't go your way waiting for God's promises. And remember that there's blessings yet to come. Blessings yet to come. Stand with me this morning. In the waiting room, you got to be strong and you got to take good courage. It was the book of Hebrews said this. It said, as he wrote to his writers or to his listeners, and, and he's referencing, you know what I mean, those that uh, within the... Uh, 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 where he was sending the letter then, okay? And yet the letters have went down through the ages. But directly he was writing to those that, that, you know, he was acquainted with. And so when he said, you have not yet resisted on the blood, he was saying, you know what I mean? Guys, you're, you, you know, it's pretty challenging, but it, nobody's life is lost. <laughs> yeah. You haven't lost your head for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? You know, there's still a lot of good things together. You don't have to get quite so despondent about, you know, what's going on here. Look around you. There's still some good things intact. Hallelujah. Yeah. So when you're in the room, you need to look around you. Things could be worse. <laughs> you know, and that, that's not being said, uh, you know, flippantly. That's what the scripture is saying. You don't have it as bad as you think. And then he goes on and says, you know what I mean? That say you cave and you you cave in and you fail. Bible says that God doesn't let you fall, he holds us up. <laughs> oh, I mean you're a little wobbly maybe, but he holds you up. He makes he says he keeps you from falling. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to, we're going to, let me pray and then we'll sing a song closing and pray for our waiting room this morning. I don't know what your waiting room consists of. I don't know what you're waiting for. You know what I mean? In particular, obviously I know some of you what you're waiting for. I know there's things that, that I'm waiting for. But what I have learned and a little bit about and, and not that it doesn't ever get shaky but I try to look a little more at what is and what is not 
what is and what is not. I've got, God has done an awful lot right now. Done an awful lot right now. Do I have hope and expectations and, and more? Absolutely. But you know what he said from time to time? He says, son, it's not all about you. not all about you and what you do how you are doesn't just affect you it affects a lot of people it affects a lot of people that's what that's what Jesus was about Jesus said, Father, he said, I sanctify myself for them. The interest in, in his life and sanctification, setting apart and doing things, you know, right? He said, he said I, I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for you. God says, you need to start doing things for, you, for others. Hallelujah. I gotta have faith. I gotta have faith just enough for myself. I've got other people that are around me that are saying, hey, I need to have faith so they can see faith, so they can feel faith, because they might just about raise a point where they're gonna throw in the towel. Not me, boy. Praise God, I'm not gonna be the anchor that, that drowns them. Now, I'm gonna be the life raft that, that that saves them. I'm gonna give it to them. There is yet hope. Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking for a Holy Spirit invasion into the waiting room of our life. I'm asking for a recalculation, God. A recalculation, God, that knowing that you care specifically and detailedly about our lives, but our lives are not just about ourselves. God in the waiting room, help us to begin to decorate it so that it's faith building. In our waiting room, help us to put some windows in it so there's some light shining in. Let the rays of hope in the waiting room, Lord, let the song of the Lord come the voice of the almighty God whether Lord it be by a hymn that we know a new song that we've learned or just a phrase of something let there be for God there is really no silence with you but it's really what we're listening for and how we are tuned to hear that sometimes we may not be hearing how you're speaking and so expand and open our ears so that we're open to all of the communication of God's and God's ways in Jesus name the Lord says the reason that sometimes that you know what I mean it's, it's so turbulent for you is that you have not went ahead and raised monuments 
up to the victories that I have given you into the promises that I have fulfilled in your life in times past. And so it is difficult for you to recall them and to remember them. But he said, that's what I asked children of Israel to do, that whenever I did a miracle in their life, he said, I want you to build a monument, not a monument to worship, but a monument to remember. To remember, he said, and so when we can take and look at and see those monuments throughout life, all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It brings a peace and a confidence and assurance, hallelujah, that God is just about ready to do something that another monument is going to go up in his name, amen? Give the Lord a praise, yes, hallelujah, oh, glory to God, amen. Bless you. Have a great week. Amen. Apply truth forward, please. Amen.